0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, it is just me today. I am doing the second solo special episode. I had, I don't know, I really had this inkling, or not inkling, I had a very strong feeling that I wanted to talk about a topic. I opened up about it on my Instagram last, yeah, last week or two weeks ago when this podcast was released, I think it was two weeks ago, and I received a ton of great feedback and it seemed to be something that you guys may be going through through as well or something that you want to discuss more, and I felt I had so much to say that. I needed longer than my typical Instagram stories, so here we are, let's talk about anxiety. I'm going to do a very large deep dive onto my history with anxiety and also my triggers and then kind of what I have found help, both free and free options and options that cost money. But the reason I'm doing this and what I opened up about on my page was I actually suffered from my first panic attack um, a few weeks ago. I It was now looking back, I kind of understand what had triggered it. But actually, and sorry, it wasn't technically my first. It was technically my second. But if you follow me on Instagram, you know this whole dental situation I'm having. Basically, I had pretty... Minor tooth pain for like two months, and then one night it was awful going to bed. And then I woke up at three in the morning and it was so outrageously painful. I've never experienced anything like that. And it had caused not only tooth pain, but then cheek pain, and then pain in my temples, kind of like a migraine. And for me, I definitely am sensitive around head pain ever since my concussion, just the fear of what the hell's going on. And so these emotions the pain inducing aspect of it all and also not having any idea what was causing it that led me to a panic attack but that was at like five in the morning and that kind of made sense to me the one that I speak of and refer to as my first panic attack was five days later when I had kind of been anxious ever since the whole truth situation to begin with and I woke up and immediately felt panic From the second I woke up, I was anxious, and I had a scheduled workout, and I said to Joe, I was even thinking about, like, I don't know if I should go to this. I can't decide, but I'm someone that exercise usually helps my anxiety, so I decided to go, and as soon as the class started, I knew something was wrong. I just felt different, and halfway through, it had all just continued to bubble and bubble in my stomach, and I felt like panic was literally about to be thrown up by me it was it was the weirdest sensation but i felt like i needed a meltdown and it was about to happen and so i dropped (laughs) the weight that was in my hand and literally ran out of the class into the bathroom locker room sat in a stall locked the door and just let it come over me i hysterically cried for a good 10 minutes I was a little short of breath, and then I caught it, but it was honestly once I accepted okay, and I was very observant when it happened, but I was very much, okay, I'm having a panic attack, like, let's go, ride this wave, come over me, let it happen, and since that since that moment, and I've spoken with other people who have suffered with panic attacks, they've said that, you know, putting your feet on the ground and realizing, I'm okay, I'm just having a panic attack, let it happen. I think the bottling up of all of it makes it worse in a way. I know personally it does for me. And so I just let it come over me and I left the studio feeling so much better. Obviously I wasn't 100%, but it did help just allowing that moment to happen. So that is definitely what is sparking this conversation now. The first time I can actually, no, before I even dive into this, I want to say one thing that should be obvious if you follow me or know me or any of this, but I am by no means, by no means a doctor or specialist in this field and anxiety, stress, mental health, all of these things are very serious topics. So this is really just me sharing my journey in hopes of potentially helping someone if anything, just encouraging you to believe that you are not alone, but by no means is this medical advice that you should follow without seeking professional help. I am a huge proponent of professional health. I'll get a professional help. I'll get into that later, but definitely don't take this as, oh, she does this. I should do that also because we're all totally different humans. Now, what I was saying, the first time I remember feeling anxious, and it's funny because I didn't know that it was anxiety, I just thought it was this very weird feeling, I didn't know the name for it, but now reflecting back, it's so obvious. My first vivid memory is as a kid, I do remember always struggling with the concept of death, but but not really death of losing people and never seeing them again, on the flip side of being the one that dies, and then, like, where, what happens, and I still get a little anxious talking about it now, but, so, I, um, I guess I'm inducing myself with anxiety pre-podcast, but if you, for me, it was thinking about, okay, I die, I don't know, just, I'm gone, And then time never ends. And I actually apologize if this is a trigger for anyone because I know it's a trigger for one of my family members. And when we were talking about it, she was like, you have to stop talking. So I apologize. If it is for you, just turn this off. But it was this idea of, I had this visual of me in like black space falling and thinking of time never ending. And so I just would keep falling and it was like well when does time end what's next I don't know that caused such a overwhelming feeling of actual nausea when I was a kid and I remember having this conversation with a family member sitting on a couch I remember exactly where we were in my parents living room talking about it and feeling like I was going to throw up and saying I can't talk about this anymore I can't talk about this anymore it makes me feel so sick obviously now looking back that was my introduction to anxiety and it's very interesting now because I'll get into all of my triggers and all that but it definitely has a very similar wave through it all so I never really felt after that moment other than that I never noticed that I was anxious In high school, in elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever, I never was an anxious person, but I was very much a driven and goal-oriented human. I was always trying to be the best. I was trying to succeed and excel, not so much in school until college, but in sports mainly. That was where I always wanted to be better. And it wasn't necessarily better than someone else, but it was better than myself, if that makes sense, always continuing to grow. And once I had set a precedent and a high bar, I had to live up to that. I had very high expectations for myself. And obviously it should be commented that my parents, yes, set very high expectations and they set a very high bar and they are successful people and they've excelled in great things in their lives and they just expect great things out of their children. But it's not like they were crazy, like, you have to do this 24 hours a day, blah, 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 blah. It was very much self implemented. And I think it comes a lot from the feeling as a kid of when you are quote unquote successful, or for instance, you do well in a sports game, or whatever. And that's just where mine stemmed from. The Approval that you feel and the sense of accomplishment and the positive reinforcement, I then always wanted that feeling. And I just wanted more of it and more of it and more of it. And once I felt it, I realized, oh my gosh, I can't not feel that. I can't, like I wanted it so badly that once I had it, I had to keep it. And I, I hope this makes sense. But I think that's where a lot of my attitude and personality came from as a kid, With sports and the approval aspect of it all. Um, And then, so I wasn't even that great of a student in high school, to be honest. And when I got to college, this is just an example. Again, it's I I don't remember what my classes were, but freshman fall I had a 3.93, whatever like three A's and then 1 A minus. And I remember my my parents being so proud of me, me thinking I was all of a sudden really smart, and it was a sense of praise that I loved. But once I set that bar, I then totally and utterly obsessed over continuing to maintain that level at that bar. So the next semester, it was almost like, okay, well I got a 3.93 the first semester. Fuck, I have to get that same GPA every other semester, which is crazy, so crazy. Um, but I killed myself to try and do just that, which is so interesting reflecting on now. I feel like I'm treating this as a therapy session, so buckle in. But I it definitely manifested in college over my grades, and also lacrosse. I was very goal oriented and driven to a fault, which I hate when people are like, I'm a perfectionist. Okay, your biggest flaw is that you're perfect. And I'm not a perfectionist, but I am very hard on myself. And that mainly has to do with the around goals and so I think my anxiety definitely got worse when I graduated college because it was this closing of a chapter of my life and I talked about it a lot in the episode with my sister in terms of graduating college and entering the real world of now having so many expectations and so many also what-ifs because I have a very hard time with the unknown. I fear the unknown a lot and that stems a lot from my control and wanting and desire to control things and that shows in many different outlets of my life but the fear of the unknown has always been something that's triggered me and I think that's obvious in the first example I provided as a kid it was the unknown I don't know what happens when someone dies no one does so what then then what almost and you can't control that and so it's both of those two things in one that make it so clear now using that example. And so I graduated college extremely anxious. I was in not the best phase of my life in many different aspects, and there were so many unknowns that I was just riddled with anxiety. And so I started my new job at J.P. Morgan a month after graduation, and it really fit my personality because it is so fast paced. It is, I mean, it's anxiety inducing in general. It is team oriented, it's goal oriented, it's fun. You know, it was everything I wanted and more. And now it's so obvious to me, but at the time it was so not, that it really played into what I thought were a lot of my best characteristics, but it almost amplified them to kind of turn them into flaws in a way. And it basically fed my anxious mind to tr- not trigger it. Because my anxiety wasn't that, I, it was at the end. But in the beginning, like that middle phase, it wasn't awful. I really was doing a great job. and it, But it fed my traits that cause anxiety and almost formed me into a person that then expected and thrived on a lot of these things. I obviously don't have the right wording and it should be said that I have absolutely no script in front of me. I have nothing written down. I am just talking. So welcome to my TED talk part two. Another one of these triggers that I have that was really shaped and almost like fed fuel at my job is always being on and accessible and feeling like I have to do things right away. And so the perfect example of this is notifications on your phone. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I, my heart sinks when I hear a notification go off on a cell phone. That ding immediately makes me feel anxious. And I am someone, because of that, I have zero notifications on my phone. I never have my ringer on to begin with, but I mean, I don't even have notifications on my home screen, on my locked screen. So if I get a text message, I don't know until I open my phone and I would never in a million fucking years turn on Instagram notifications. I am blown away by people that have that on. Where they get a notification for every like, comment, photo tag, DM, nothing. That is my nightmare. So, I, and the reason I feel this way is once I get those notifications, I feel I have to respond instantaneously. If you're my friend, you know, maybe less than last month, but you know that if you text me, I probably respond within, I would say, five minutes. Unless I'm in a class or recording a podcast episode or something, I'm constantly responding to people. And I've in that way trained people in my life to expect that, which is a fault of mine and something I'm now re-triggering a bit. But my job was so... It ha- you had to be instantaneous. If you didn't respond right away, you missed a trade or you missed something or a market moved like that. You had to be that way. And so since I was already very much, you're telling me to do something, I'll do it right now. I don't procrastinate whatsoever. I could actually begin to procrastinate a little bit more for my sanity, but I feel as if everything has to get done instantaneously. And that was definitely the way I was raised. My mom is extremely, like you give her a task, it is complete within five minutes. And so because that was the way I was raised and how I went into my job, I then was praised for it in a way. It was always, oh my gosh, you did that so fast. Way to go. Thanks, Cam, that was so quick, blah, blah, blah. The sense of approval just fed that trait of mine to now make it my normal. And I think because I've trained myself to act that way and I've trained others to expect that of me, it also causes anxiety because no one should live in a sense of everything has to be complete right away. And it brings in another theme of I almost... Feel as if, and this is something I work with my therapist on, she actually noticed this theme and I now am very aware of it through different aspects of my life, but as if time is up, which is so interesting because I'm not an apocalyptic thinker, although I kind of led you to believe I am one since I said I fear death at a young age, but I never think about my time being up. I really don't fear death in the sense of legitimately dying at all. But I do feel like I almost have to get everything in as fast as I can. And I don't know why that's something I'm working on. But it shows not only in tasks, but also in my business. I have so many ideas and they cause me instead of a sense of excitement all the time of I'm so excited that I get to do this and I can't wait to do this project and oh my gosh, this is gonna be so much fun. Sometimes it turns into I am so anxious because I want to do 20,000 things at once and I do not have enough time. And I said to my therapist that honestly, I dream of a day that I can stay up for 24 full hours, not have one person bother me and just get like do work, and I totally understand how crazy that sounds. Because then my next statement was, and then after that I dream of a 24 hours where I can lay in my bed and do nothing. And she's like, "What? Well, why? Why the extremes? Like it, it can both be done, but together it doesn't have to be extremes." Which I totally agree on. But it it shows in my work, and it also shows I noticed it in when I was at work at in an office, with meals, I got anxious over deciding, this also sounds pretty weird, you guys are going to think I'm a kook, but I used to get anxious over like dinners almost, because there's so many places I wanted to go in the city, and I would get anxious over not having enough meals to almost eat all the meals I wanted to, if that makes sense, the abundance of opportunity caused me anxiety because there were such a small amount of spots I could fit them into. I think that's the best way of wording it. And my therapist pointed out, like, well, who says you get three meals a day? Like, what do you think you're not here in two weeks? Like you live here. Your life is going to continue. It's okay. And it, a lot of it, I don't feel this way anymore. And I think that's because I don't work in a corporate office anymore a lot of it was because I love the act of eating a meal so much and two of my meals were shoveling food down as fast as I could while I was still typing away and on phone calls and that's not an enjoyable way to go about eating anything and so so much lied in my one dinner it was like my one time of the day to actually enjoy something that I love so much and so I wanted to enjoy so many things I've now pretty much gone off topic however that is definitely one of my triggers it's the idea of timing in a way or not being able to fit everything in I think and I also feel that New York City really also feeds that because people are constantly doing things non-stop and it's just go 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 and there's always something to be done and if you're relaxing in my opinion, in my mind, I then feel like I'm missing out on something. So I'm actively working on that. Uh, it's something that I'm continuously doing. And so my those are pretty much my triggers. I feel like I've laid them all out. It's the lack of control, the fear of the unknown, um, the wanting to do so many things and not having enough time. I I'm trying to think of any others, but those are pretty much my main ones. I lied. I did think of one more and it's a more recent one, but my health is definitely an anxiety trigger for me. And it definitely stems from my accident because I think my health prior to my accident was all digestion based and all that kind of stuff. And it was always, I wish it would be better. And, you you know, I would get anxious about putting certain things into my body because I didn't know if they were going to trigger. That's 100% anxiety inducing. But I think the worst part that came from my accident was, when is this ever going to be better? I don't know. And I felt that way with health issues before, but because it was my brain, it just felt so much more serious which I'm not going to say it is but you know it's very serious so that having it it, it really shows the fear of the unknown and lack of control because when I had the concussion it's not like they said okay you broke your arm let's put you in a cast you're good in x amount of weeks it was there's not much you can do just sit and hang out and wait and we don't know when it'll get better which is basically my biggest fear, all in one. And so that caused a lot of anxiety around the accident that I don't think I noticed at that time because I was so focused on just remaining calm. But since then, now when I get a headache or really, yeah, when I get a headache, I do get a sense of stress and emotion of, holy shit, what if this doesn't go away? What if I am taking step backwards or steps backwards. What if I'm never going to be better? What if I'm never going to heal? You know, it's all these what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, which is such a waste of energy and I'm so aware of that, but it is something that happens to me and just because I'm aware of it doesn't mean I can stop it. I can make an effort to, but, you know, because of that, health definitely is also a trigger for me. So now how I've dealt with it. I, when I quit my job, or actually, no, sorry, while I was on disability after my accident, before leaving my job, I began my meditation practice, and um, it was something that by by the time it had gotten to my fifth year at JP, and right before I left, I was really anxious over the fact of realizing I didn't love it there, realizing that I didn't want my future to be there, but not accepting the opportunity to quit and just being so fearful, again, of the unknown. What would my life entail if I quit my job? What would Freckled Foodie become? I had had no idea. Hell, I still don't fucking know. So let's make that very clear. I still don't know. And yes, it still does cause me anxiety, but not nearly the levels it used to. And I think that's because I'm finally doing something I love. And before it was, I knew what I loved and it was almost being locked up in a box and I wasn't able to fully open it. So when I was at my anxious point of still working in the corporate world, my friends kept telling me to try and meditate and they had all gone to this program called Ziva Meditation. It's a four-day in-person course. They do offer an online program though. I'll put it in the show notes, but they had done the in-person course and they had Flat out said it changed their life, and they had continuously told me, "Why don't you just try it? Why don't you try it? Why don't you try it?" And it was something that you have to you practice in the morning. That's the way that you're taught. And I was already getting up at like 4:45 to go work out, get ready, get to the office on time. And I just couldn't fathom adding in an additional 20 minutes into my day. And it was at this point, and I knew it. I knew that I'm sh- if I I felt as if I added meditation in in the mornings it wouldn't take away 20 minutes from my day like it would give me back way more than it would take but I was so nervous of it not being the right move that I wouldn't start it which shows my need to control and the fear of the unknown because I was so fearful that if I did this whole thing, and then I would wake up 20 minutes early and it wouldn't be worth it, well then what? And it's also efficiency. It's all three things tied into one. So I had signed up for, it's like a Thursday night, a Friday night, and then all day Saturday and Sunday, and I had signed up twice, and both times like something came up, and I could have easily turned down the thing that came up, but I just was so hesitant to try meditating that I didn't, and so I then signed up for a March program. And I was really set on going. I'd blocked off my calendar. I promised myself I wasn't going to add anything in. And that was going to be that. Then my accident happened. And so... I totally forgot about it, and it was in the middle of my disability time, and I remember it showed up on my calendar, I got a notification, I was like, oh shit, I totally forgot about this, I wonder if it's something I'm allowed to do, and so I called my neurologist, and he was like, quite honestly, it's one of the best things you can do, you'd be sitting in a dimly lit room, listening to a woman speak, and meditating, pretty much, you can't really do much more than that right now with how bad the concussion is so I went and I truly will say it changed my life and I'm not preaching to everyone that they need to do this program I'm not telling everyone they need to meditate what I'm saying is that if you are an anxious person if you're easily overwhelmed or stressed or whatever why not just try just try it if you don't like it no one is putting a gun to your head and telling you you have to do it every day like you make the decision to do it or not, i started my practice i think it was probably the end of march and since then i have only missed one day and i forget what day it was but some oh um now i can't remember but i know something crazy was happening i missed one day of meditating um I will say it is the sole reason that I left my job. It just clarified everything for me and it really clarified my emotions and my feelings and my thoughts and it just, I don't know, it became less of should I do this? I don't know. Do I have to do this? I'd be crazy not to. So meditating is one of the top things that has helped me and Obviously, I it's, it's free to meditate. I paid to go to a program, but that doesn't have to be something that everyone does. There are plenty of apps out there for guided meditations that people love. Specifically, I've heard a lot of great things about Headspace and Calm, and this will all be in the show notes, but for free options, meditating is probably my number one. I also journal a lot, and I know how silly that sounds, but there's something about putting pen to paper for me that helps so much. I used to do a five-minute journal every morning. Now that I say this, I kind of think I should start it again, but just dumping all of the thoughts that you have, and it doesn't have to be anything specific. You just write. There is no judgment. There's no goal. There's no nothing. It's just getting the thoughts out of your brain to then move forward with your day, and I have found that some people have told me they get really intimidated by a blank page. They don't know where to start. So look up prompts. I, I use prompts that I think of, of what do you love? What is causing you stress about your job? What do you want to do more of? Stuff like that, um, mainly because that's specific to what I'm feeling anxiety over. Obviously, it would depend on how you're feeling, but there's no judgment. It's just writing. And this should also be said for meditating. I think a lot of people are intimidated by meditation because they think, I, I don't know how to turn off my brain. That's not possible. No shit. You're not supposed to turn off your brain. Your brain doesn't turn off. Think about even when you're sleeping, you're dreaming. No one's asking you to turn off your brain, but it's practicing a sense of calmness to then transfer to your everyday life so there are going to be thoughts the best thing that i learned in ziva the best idea is to think of them like boomerangs and you can't see my hands right now but it's as if a thought is coming in one side of your brain you acknowledge it and then you let it at the other side of your brain and it might come back around eventually and that's fine you acknowledge a thought okay yes move on it's not like you shut the door and say, oh shit, now I'm thinking I'm doing this wrong. There's no judgment to meditating, none. You should have no expectations about a meditation practice. It's just practicing. So I just also wanted to put that very clear. Um, Sleep is huge for me, getting enough sleep. I am a grandma, no, I, I'm a morning person. I would love every night to go to bed at 10 and wake up at 5.30, And as I say this, I'm yawning. But honestly, that for me is my ideal. And I know if I don't get enough sleep, the tired feeling that I feel leads to a lot of anxiety. So for me, that's huge. I would say also with that sleep is implementing a morning and nighttime routine. I obviously am a very big routine person, but um, my morning routine helps me Start every morning. I write down three things I'm grateful for just to practice gratitude. I also heavily believe in that practice. I have a few morning concoctions. I have either a coffee or a matcha, which I will also get into. Um, and then I go on with my day. I'm usually working out in the morning. And then for night, I try to limit all phone, TV, computer, whatever technology, at least 30 minutes before bedtime. I'm big on getting in bed a little earlier and then having a conversation in bed or like unwinding or reading a book, something that you're then relaxing before you fall asleep. I have a no phone in the bedroom rule. I'm constantly trying to get Joe to follow it a little stricter. However, I mean, there are obviously studies shown about like the blue light, but either way, it's just flooding your brain with inflows that you don't need before you're falling asleep. Um, with that, caffeine is a big. <laughs> unfortunately, caffeine is can be a trigger for me. When I was at a very anxious time, I guess it was last. I want to say summer, I decided to cut out caffeine and I did only matcha for six months and I noticed a huge difference. So although I guess caffeine is still in matcha, but I cut out coffee. So I don't know, try it. You know, I'm back on it now. I dabble. If my anxiety gets really bad again, it's something that I will wean off of and go back onto the matcha train. And I also think that limiting sp- time spent on technology is important not only with the bedtime issue or not issue but before bed but also just throughout the day like it's the inflow sometimes that causes me anxiety it's the constant constant new information being thrown at us and we live in a day and age where it's non-stop so just setting boundaries on that like setting time that you're passively scrolling on Instagram it doesn't need to be every time you sit down and have a free second allow yourself to feel bored I recently heard that somewhere and like we don't ever feel boredom anymore because there's always something to do and boredom is when creativity sparks and when we have these new thoughts or when we form new relationships so limiting the technology scrolling of just filling a space Like sit with your emotions, sit with yourself. We don't always need to be simulated. And then also doing something that makes you smile or laugh. And it could be something as silly as turning on a song you love and just dancing or like playing with a dog. I am dying to get one. Watching a funny TV show. Whatever you find makes you laugh. Hanging out with someone that you find hilarious. I don't know, whatever it is. Do something that makes you smile and makes you laugh. I also... When I am at my most anxious, I repeat mantras. And so for me, it's a lot of, um, like, this is temporary. Everything is going to be okay. Like, it's it's all going to be all right. Just reminding myself of that because I think when you feel these waves of anxiety or stress or emotion or panic, it's so easy to believe that this is going to be forever And reminding yourself that it's just temporary is very rewarding. And also reminding yourself, just acknowledging that you're having anxiety. For me, the second I acknowledge it, it helps in a weird way. And so that's one that I do when I'm actually feeling a lot of panic. Things that I do to kind of help the onset of anxiety but also when I am anxious is going for a walk without any technology just go for a walk get out in nature you know we're always stuck well if you live in New York you feel like you're always in these buildings with windows and walls and that's all you get get outside go for a lap around the block if it has to be that short or go for a three-mile walk whatever it is you don't need to view it as an exercise just get outside But while we are talking about exercise, that for me is a huge mental release. I love working out, but I love working out in ways that I love the activity. If I don't like a certain workout, like I don't like spinning, I would dread that so much. And that would almost cause me more anxiety going to bed the night before being like, oh shit, I have to wake up and go to a spin class and oh my God, I don't want to do this. Like do something that you enjoy I love going for a run sometimes. I love certain yoga classes. I love Pilates. I love some new dance classes I'm trying. Do find the exercises that you love and it therefore takes your mind out of wherever it is. It's really about finding activities that can take you out of your own head. And that's how I feel going for a walk, writing things down. It just gets it all out there. I also notice that food can trigger certain things in the sense of when I eat foods that just don't really make me feel good, I kind of then feel a little anxious because my body just doesn't feel its best. So when I am really anxious, I'm trying to focus on foods that just make me feel good. And unfortunately that does mean limiting my sugar intake, which is so hard for me, but it does help a lot. And alcohol alcohol is a huge trigger when people would get hangovers in college they'd be complaining about these crazy headaches and I wouldn't get ever I wouldn't get a headache hangover mine would be in my stomach but it was all anxiety like my hangover equaled anxiety so for me limiting my alcohol intake is huge and then like there are obviously things that cost money but therapy I cannot harp enough how much therapy has helped me if you have the means to afford find or you have healthcare that can pay for a therapist i highly 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 recommend just searching for one just try and use just attempt it you know i think there's such a stigma around therapy which is so crazy to me because if you were trying to get in shape you would never be embarrassed to say you're seeing a um, physical trainer, or if you were injured, you'd never say you're embarrassed about seeing a physical therapist. And literally a therapist is just helping your mind. So why should we be ashamed by it? Everyone should see a therapist if it were up to me and it was able for everyone, then we'd all be seeing one. And so I have a post on my blog that talks way more about my journey with therapy, but it also includes a bunch of recommendations that um, I have found and received from you wonderful followers. So definitely check that out. I'll put it in the show notes, but therapy is a huge one for me. I also really enjoy acupuncture to help with anxiety, um, infrared sauna sessions, and also massages. And I know these are all luxuries and expensive, but I. And providing both, if you have the means to spend money on it, these are things that I have found helped me. And I just want to reiterate that the whole point of this is really to remind you that you're not alone. I think people get so embarrassed by anxiety, and for me, it's something I've always been very open about, but you know. Just seek people who are there to help you. So many people want to help you. And the second you have these conversations and you open up about it and you have the conversations, it really, I just said conversations twice, I think. I can't even remember what I'm saying anymore. But the second that you invite people in to talk with you about these types of things, it really does Help and so I did ask you guys if you had any questions on my Instagram story, and so I'm going to talk about a few. Um, the first one was, Oh, okay, do you ever let your anxiety show or do you push through it? I let my anxiety show, I'm very much open about it all, as I've clearly stated, and you're well aware now that I just spoke on my own to you guys as if you are a therapist about it. But I am the first one to state, I'm feeling very anxious right now. Can we stop this? Or can you not do that? Or I need to leave the room. Like, you know, I get a little anxious sometimes when I'm home because I feel like in the morning, my mom loves to just start the day right away. She's got a lot of energy. And I get anxious by a lot of questions first thing in the day. And so I'm very open by saying, mom, you're, you're actually making me very anxious right now. Can we stop? And pushing through would be having that conversation, bottling it in and trying to just continue. That to me, yes, sure, I can find a middle ground. But to me, that makes no sense. If I can tell someone how I'm feeling, to then stop me from leaning down a spiral why would I not so I'm very open about it even at work I was open about it I would say I feel really anxious right now I'm very open about it with my friends especially with Joe so I let my anxiety show do you, what are your triggers I kind of just went into all of those during this entire episode but I would say uh, lack of control the fear of the unknown. Time is a trigger for me and, and health. I, health is definitely a trigger for me. Um, how does your partner support your anxiety and how has it affected your marriage? So I think this is definitely something I've been very, very fortunate about. And I've thought a lot about this when I talk about it, of how I would feel if this weren't the case, but Joe is extremely supportive of my anxiety well he's not supportive of my anxiety in the sense of he's like you should have more but he's supportive of how to handle it and it's taken time but because i'm so open about it and because i have expressed my triggers and i tell him when i'm feeling anxious and i've also told him what he does that helps and i've also been very clear of certain things he does that don't help for instance when I'm very anxious, I don't like to be touched. I don't like to feel constricted in space or claustrophobic. And so someone hugging me and not letting go when I'm anxious makes it worse. And it makes me want to scream. And so that kind of would happen in the beginning. And I was very clear then. I said, listen, when I'm very anxious, I don't like to be touched like that. Like you can put your hand on me, but I don't like to be Bear hugged, engulfed in the space that I can't exit, which is why the gravity blanket does not work for me. I know a lot of people preach on it and love it. I'm not someone that enjoys that feeling. So it's obvious things like that. But then it's also, I find something very anxiety inducing is when you feel a sense of panic or anxiety or whatever, and someone asks you, Well, why are you anxious? Bitch, I wish I knew. I don't know why I'm anxious and I apologize for just saying bitch, but I don't know why I'm anxious, and then not knowing causes me more anxiety. So if you're someone that's in a relationship with someone who suffers from this, I would suggest not asking in that exact moment, well, why are you anxious? Instead, Joe was very good of saying, okay, let's take a deep breath. What can we do right now to make you feel better? And then that puts my mind on something else where I can say something very simple like, let's go for a walk and we drop everything and we go for a walk or I need to put on this song or, you know, something like that. So it's instead of what are your triggers, blah, 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 and flooding you with more questions, more just what can we do right now? And sometimes it's not even a question. It's just, let he'll say, let's do this. And for someone who gets anxiety over control, it's weird, but I actually then like to have no control. And I well, like someone else to take control of the situation. So we're doing this. We're going for a walk. We're putting our phone down. We're stopping work. We're dancing to the song. We're You know, whatever it is. So that definitely helps me. He's also just very encouraging in a sense of whether it's during an anxiety or not during an anxiety moment, but reminding me everything's going to be okay. You're doing a great job. You know, I mean, I love the kid. He's great at his job (laughs) and he's great at his job of being my husband, but he definitely is supportive of it all. And he's very open to me having the discussions. I tell him whenever I'm anxious, I tell him how I'm feeling. I don't hide any of my emotions and he's not only extremely receptive of them, but he also does, he returns the favor. He's very open about how he's feeling, which then creates a dialogue regarding emotions, because I think it would be really hard to be with someone that when I'm saying all of these things, they're then not ever expressing any similar emotions or fears or anything, because I do think then it, can be another question is do you ever have shame around your anxiety or post meltdowns? And I don't. I I honestly don't because I think we're all human. We all have these, whether we're as public as I am about them or not, I do think we all have meltdowns. And it's not fair for me to place this in buckets of genders, but I do think males are more quiet about their meltdowns because they fear vulnerability more. And I think it would be really hard to be in a relationship with someone who never showed that side because then I would feel less than. And I'm not saying Joe has meltdowns, but he definitely will tell me how he's feeling even if it's a fear and that then levels the playing field almost. And not that it even has to be level. I mean, it's your emotion. You're allowed to feel how you want to feel. Quite honestly, that's the bottom line. I don't know why I would feel shame over expressing my feelings. I get frustrated over it. I definitely get frustrated over the anxiety, but I don't feel shame. And then another one, which I also should have talked about, is one of the things that helps me is how has weed affected your anxiety? So... I guess we'll dive into marijuana, but I was never someone, and this really is something that I'm not telling everyone to do. Um, I recreationally smoked weed in, like, a barely, but a little in high school, and then kind of in college, but we had a team role of no marijuana, and I am a big rule follower, so I wasn't smoking really in college, and then recreationally after college, fine. I noticed that it actually helped my anxiety a lot, And so I did then recently seek a medical marijuana card, which I think is gonna have to be a whole different podcast on, but I got that card for my migraines that I have post-concussion. And you know it's been something that's really freaking helped with my anxiety. I'm not even gonna lie. So if it's something you're interested in looking into, talk to your doctor about it. If you live in a state where it's legal, you're really freaking lucky. Um, but if you don't want to go that far, I would say that CBD is something that has also really helped me. And I think there are a lot of brands out there that are claiming things that aren't exactly real, but I have done a lot of research and I did find a brand that I love. Beam is my favorite. It's what I use daily. I definitely notice a difference. Um, I will put the link for that and a discount code in the show notes, but it's definitely something to look into. So that was all the questions you guys had. I so appreciate you listening to me. I really hope this conversation wasn't triggering. That's all I can think about. I'm so nervous that I just triggered everyone into some type of (laughs) stress or anxiety emotion, but it was really, the point was I wanted to share more of my story because I get asked about it but also to somewhat normalize the conversation as much as I can I'm trying to make this all approachable and remind you that in no world and by no means are you alone if you're feeling these emotions thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of freckled foodie and friends I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there at Freckled Foodie.